welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We bring on a young buck. He's going to be a freshman at the University of Nebraska, Omaha this fall in Josh Boyer. Josh grew up actually in Okinawa, Japan and played his youth hockey in uh, Alaska and the St. Louis area before going on to play in the North American League. From the North American League, he went to the USHL, and from the USHL, he's now going to play at the University of Nebraska-Omaha next year. Um, But before we do get over to Josh, let's bring on the shirtless talent of the podcast, Jeff Lavecchio, who just recognize that you can do emojis on Skype and is trying to make me laugh the whole episode. Jeff Lavecchio, what's going on today? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy about this emoji thing. I like trying to get you off your game and make you laugh. So if you're not having fun with what you're doing, Toph, you're doing it wrong. And I always like to have fun. What, so that was, was, the, fun. what was the episode? Was it Cody's, the one that we did where you like showed me your butt? Yeah, don't tell people that. That's so ridiculous. I can't remember if it was the intro or if it was like the first couple questions or whatever, but all of a sudden I see like the computer screen kind of going down and I like I see like the top of Jeff's butt and he's got this goofy looking grin on his face and I had to do everything I could not to laugh. I straight up mooned you. Guess where I learned that from? <laughs> Definitely from your dad. Yeah, I mean, oh, obviously, totally. your dad used to love mooning people when we were kids. So <laughs> thanks, B, for uh, teaching me how to moon people. Um, but anyways, yeah, man, I'm, I'm having a great day. Uh, made some big decisions in my life here about kind of where my company's going to go with the training side and got a new gym inside of one of the brand new rinks here in St. Louis. So very excited for what I'm going to be able to offer my guys, uh, partnering on ice with the off ice work that I do for next summer. So that's going to be uh, pretty exciting here in St. Louis. That's really cool, man. Well, this, that's an interesting point of, t- of, of conversation because I've kind of been going through very similar stuff in terms of making major life decisions. And uh, how was that for you? Was it like stressful? Like how did you kind of come up with the decisions? Like what, what was that like? It's literally been terrible, but this has been, you know, <laughs> I, I retired, I retired a few years earlier than I had initially planned. You know, I, I was still getting really good offers for good money in Europe, but with my concussion history and how my business in the gym kind of took off, I decided and the new rinks being built, I was like, you know what? I think this is the perfect time to retire, you know, save myself from hopefully, you know, any more concussions and work the St. Louis area to the point where everyone wants me in their rinks through the work that I do. Um, luckily that happened and I had some big decisions to make and, you know, with any big decision, there's going to be people who are happy with your decision and others who aren't going to be happy. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a people pleaser, but like my, my whole goal is to help as many people as I can. So if I went into one rink and not the other, some people would be upset and I wouldn't be able to help everyone I wanted to help. And, it's weighed on me pretty heavily, especially these last, these last three weeks to a month. It's been, uh, you know, a lot of sleepless nights and, you know, losing weight because I'm nervous and can't eat and just a lot of stuff, like, you know, just because I, I care so much about my guys and helping as many kids in the St. Louis area as I can. 
kind of finally came to a decision last night. And, uh, like my good friend, uh, my team chiropractor who works with all of my, my pros and college guys, Dr. Tony here in St. Louis, he kind of went through the same thing a few months ago and a uh, really cool story. He decided to set up shop, stay in St. Louis. And he, he basically built out his own office inside this gym I'm in. And he's like, you know what? One day, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to start building and I'm going to go with this and I'm going to do it and give it my all. And so the first day he went up to this wall where he's going to build his office and he just chucked the hammer at the wall, put one hole in and he left. And he's like, today is the first day. Like, that's my decision. I'm moving forward. I'm not looking at anything. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I put the hammer in the wall. So throughout this process, I've kind of leaned on Dr. Tony, who I respect a lot and all my guys love him. And, you know, I had, I had decided to um, go with this one rink and, and I called Tony and I said, hey, man, I put the hammer in the wall. And so we're going to continue to work together. And, you know, I'm, I'm just looking forward. And the sun came up today and I'm, I'm pretty excited. That's really cool. What a metaphor, too. <laughs> I know, man. Like literally like all day today, I'm like, I put the hammer in the wall. And then him and I went over and looked at the space. And we have a lot of cool things that are going to be coming out here. That's, that's, I mean, that's unreal. So there's two things I want to ask you. One, it's so funny. I was actually thinking about this as I was doing my workout today. Hey, oh, worked out. Yep. Wait, what? Oh, <laughs> um, but I was thinking about how unbelievable of a life experience it is to be an entrepreneur because I feel like I, there's so many highs and so many lows and so many things in between that you just learn so much about like life in general, but you also learn so much about yourself when you kind of have to do it all yourself and then figure things out from there. And uh, just kind of like what you guys are talking about and what you went through with Tony, I mean, it's just it just runs the gamut, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's funny that you pose that that question too, or that that statement, because pretty much my two options were believe in myself and keep being an entrepreneur and keep doing what I do, how I do it, the way I do it, running things the way I believe I sh- the way I believe work and 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 things like that. Or I could have kind of sold out and went and worked for a big company that does training, and I would have been you know, running a very nice gym and things like that. But in the end, I was like, you know what, like, I am successful at this because of the way I do things. I'm passionate about my guys. I I, want to believe in myself. I'm going to believe in myself just like I did with my career. I put the hammer in the wall and it's going to be all me and it's on me whether I succeed or I fail. And I actually texted Ricky Mendez, who we had on this podcast that we were talking today because he put something out on Instagram about like how much he loves entrepreneurs. And he was like, if you choose the easy path, like you're not going to be as happy in life. If you choose the hard path, like, yeah, there's going to be obstacles. Yeah. There's going to be things that that come up that are going to be in your way and it's going to be hard, but like the juice is going to be worth the squeeze and you're going to get so much more fulfillment out of building your own thing basically is what it was about. And I messaged him and I said, Hey, look, man, I turned down this, you know, great salary and yada, yada, yada. I'm believing in myself. I'm, I'm going to stay on my own and, and do it that way. And he's like, yes, like I'm proud of you. And, you know, and then I just started thinking about Ricky's podcast. And for anyone who hasn't listened to our podcast with Ricky Mendez, it was a few months ago. I definitely urge you to, uh, to listen to it. A ton of my high level guys got a lot out of that podcast. Yeah, that was a really good one. 
And uh, it's so funny that we're talking about this right now because, like, literally I made the exact same decision, like, this week that you did to kind of invest in myself. And I didn't throw a, uh, a hammer through a wall, <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, I, like, I invested a, a really good amount of money in, uh, into the hockey think tank. And for me, like, this past year has been just a, a total, like um, – I don't want to say dipping toes in because I think we've accomplished a lot with the hockey think tank, but I haven't gone fully into it because there's still a part of me that feels like if I do that, then it's going to like, I'm a, like I'm a hockey coach. Like I'm not an entrepreneur. Like that's what I kind of like see myself as I see myself as a hockey guy. And by, you know, by doing this, I almost felt like it was closing the door on my coaching career, which I don't necessarily totally want to close. And, uh, but then just thinking about it, it was like, Hey, like live in the moment, man. Like this is something you're passionate about. You're passionate about impacting kids and providing information to people about the hockey world and stuff. And like, just do it and things will fall into place. And like, when you put your heart and soul into something, that's, you know, that's when things tend to fall into place when you put everything you have. And so I made the decision a couple of days ago to invest a large sum of money into the website and into things that we're doing. And I threw my, ha- I threw my hammer through the wall, man. And, uh, and now I kind of feel the same way. Like I'm really excited for what's to come. We have some unreal things that like are going to be rolling out here in the next couple months with the think tank. And, uh, I mean, all that, all that like self-reflection and all that, you know, getting right into the core of who you are and what you want to do. I mean, that's so good for the soul. It's so good for, you know, your, your health and well being. And, uh, yeah, man, I just feel like a little bit more of a lighter air around and, uh, but it is, it can be a stressful time making those big life decisions. Yeah. That's really exciting, dude. That's man. I'm really happy for you. And I know we've talked about this before off air, just you and I, and, I think you made the right decision. And on top of that too, like it's the same thing with training. It's the same thing with playing hockey. Like if you think too far ahead, like obviously you got to have financial security and plans and life and blah, blah, blah. But like you just said, like live in the moment, live today. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Like, I mean, I hate to be like Debbie Downer, like we could get hit by an asteroid. The earth is gone. Like, and you were worrying about what? No, but I, I mean, honestly, like yeah, true. live today, do what you want. I mean, I've seen Armageddon. Hello, Bruce Willis. <laughs> great job at that. um but like <laughs> but like you just tomorrow's not a guarantee you never know what could happen so like why would you do something today that you don't like doing why would you do so i don't understand that like i so like do what you love and like make that your life make that your job make that like do what you love. Like, why would you not? We only get one life. I mean, unless you're a Buddhist and you believe you're going to come back as like a, a leaf or a tree or something, but <laughs> then you're a tree, you're not doing anything cool. So like do what you love and do it all the way and give it your all and put your hammer in the wall. I like it. That's going to be, you're going to have to like put a hammer, like on a symbolic hammer on the wall of your place. Ooh, ooh, there's just going to be a hammer just like cemented into the wall. I like that. Yeah. And then that's probably your next tattoo now too. Oh, wow. I'm going to put a hammer on my hammer. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I knew where you were going. <laughs> Anyways, Josh Boyer. Oh, uh, dude, that was awesome. I loved the conversation with him. It was, he's an A plus kid, like absolutely A plus. UNO got a freaking good one there. And uh, it was really cool to hear his perspective 
on hockey, on junior hockey, on college hockey process and stuff like that coming from like he's living it right now. And so you know, we, we've talked quite a bit about our experiences. We've had other players, some older guys on that have talked about their experiences, but hearing it from somebody who's just went through it and is going through it right now, I just, it was really cool to hear. Yeah, totally. I mean, Josh is one of the guys that I train and, uh, I got a call from his advisor, not his agent, his advisor, cause he's an amateur, uh, be- end of last season saying, Hey, I got this guy. Like he's got NHL teams looking at him. He might get drafted. He's got a scally already. He's literally a miniature. You, you're going to love this kid. You need to take him. And I was like, yeah, all right, say no more. Uh, so he's literally, like me? Did- oh my God. Yeah. He's <laughs> well, probably I was just- amazing. He's probably a beauty. Um, you know, he's almost as ruggedly as handsome as me. Nice try, Josh. But, uh, you know, for the big thing is, like, he's a good person. And I was like, I'm all in. And I'll tell you what, like, you literally can't find a better person than Josh Boyer. I mean, UNO is so lucky. Like, I guarantee this guy will be wearing a C, if not his junior year, his senior year. Like, he's that kind of guy. He, he He's not a fake at all. He cares. He, he Like, if you say to someone, give it your hundred, I think in a room of, of normal people, 60% of people can't, can't even reach their hundred. They don't have the mental fortitude 60, to reach. 90. Yeah. 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 Like this guy, 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10, he's hitting his hundred. If I ask him to, it's unbelievable the places that his mind can take him because he's so mentally strong. And I think part of that is obviously from the conversation that we just uncovered today, got, you know, like had to leave Alaska, got cut from this team, got cut from that team, played double a up until he was 16, you know, failed, failed, failed. Then he learned from his failures and all of a sudden now he's a huge success. I'm really excited for people to listen to this podcast. Kids that are about to go to juniors, kids that are in juniors, kids that are in college. I just think it's, it was a really good episode with some really good information. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he, uh, he's got a really good head on his shoulders and I feel like, I feel like too, he's not like a guy, like he's a gut guy. I said it kind of at the end, like he kind of leads with his gut and I love that. I think as a kid, I mean, that's, that's incredible to just kind of follow your intuition. I don't think people do that enough nowadays. And, uh, you know, talking about his, his story about committing to university of Nebraska, Omaha. And, um, it just like, yeah, it is really refreshing to kind of get some young blood on here. And, to, um, because coming from me too, as a former college coach, like it was really cool to hear the other side of it too. And, um, yeah, I stud of a kid. He's, he's just present too. Like, you know, I have some kids that are a little bit younger than him, but in between sets in the gym, like if I turn around, I'm talking to somebody, I'll turn around and they're going to grab their phone. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like your phone will be there 90 minutes after, you know, you come in 90 minutes, you can get back on your phone. This kid is always present. He's always giving his all. He's, he's been a very good um, example for me to point to for everyone I train because he wasn't you know, Connor McDavid at 16, he wasn't Patrick Kane. He failed. He failed. He learned, he cared. So he learned from his failures and he got better. And every single day he wakes up and he wants to F that day up. He wants to get better every single day. And that's why he's going to be successful in the game of hockey and in the game of life. And I think a lot of people should listen to what he says. Yeah. Yeah. You bet, man. Well, let's bring it on over to him because that was, uh, it was a really fun conversation and, uh, he did a great job. So, um, you want to send it over? Without a further ado, Joshua Boyer. We 
are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast all the way from the beautiful city of Omaha at the University of Nebraska, Omaha, incoming freshman Josh Boyer. Josh, how are we doing today, man? What's up, guys? Uh, not going to lie, it's a pretty overcast, crummy day in Omaha, but it's been a good job so far. It's been a good day, for sure. Well, you, you get to see your old friend Jeff Lavecchio here, so it can't get much better than that, huh? <laughs> yeah, getting to see him with his tarp off is always a pleasure. <laughs> oh, every time I see him, he's got his tarp off, so it's all good. Um, so, hey, so I want to get right into this because you got such a unique backstory, and uh, obviously, you're you're an incoming freshman at the University of Omaha right now, um, starting school up. But uh, your your path there is pretty interesting, and you were actually born in Okinawa, Japan. And then went to Omaha for a couple years, and then moved to Alaska, and then moved to St. Louis, and then started your junior hockey career. So, uh, you know, just talking a little bit uh, on the on the pre-show here, if that's what you want to call it. I know your dad's a military guy, and obviously thank you to Mr. Boyer for your service. But uh, talk to us a little bit about your childhood and uh, being a military brat and, and how you kind of fell in love with the game through all those travels. Oh, yeah. Um I mean, like you said, I was born in Japan. I uh, only lived there for a few months, so really don't remember anything about it. I haven't been back. Um, then grew up in Nebraska around third or fourth grade. That was when we moved out to Alaska. I mean, in Nebraska, I was playing uh, hockey and baseball. Those were my two main sports. Played a couple others, but didn't really care much for them. Um, but, I mean, all the kids in our neighborhood, we would play football, baseball, like whatever we could. I mean, that's just how it was in that area. And we just played together. There's a couple of kids, my age, a couple of kids, my older brother's ages. And I mean, we just were so competitive. I mean, that's where honestly, I think a lot of my training came in from when I was younger. It was just playing all those sports together and just getting more and more competitive, obviously with your family, it gets more competitive than with random people. So, so that's where, uh, that's where I really fell in love with sports and hockey took over over my life i like that and what was it like playing hockey up in alaska when you guys moved up there it must have been pretty cool yeah. is it like mystery alaska like were you skating on the river with stevie <laughs> <laughs> no it's funny actually uh our house in alaska we had a little creek that ran through like not through a backyard but just off the property and uh it would freeze over every year and i actually went out and skated i mean it was probably 10 feet of ice like just 10 feet long of ice and uh, me and my older brother would go out there and skate every once in a while. I mean, just brutal. I mean, choppy. Like, you feel like you're just running on gravel out there. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, we actually did a couple of times skate on the on that creek in our backyard. That's unreal. Was John Beebe the sheriff? <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Dude, I love that movie. I don't care how, how ridiculous the premise is. I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a good one. That's for sure. It's a classic. That's crazy. So living up there for a little bit, um, you know, you're just about getting ready to play your first year of college hockey here. But, uh, you know, the Alaska schools have actually been having a pretty tough time in terms of getting funding. And it's been a this way and that way back and forth for, I feel like, a couple of years now. How important are those two universities between Anchorage and, and Fairbanks to, you know, the overall hockey landscape in, in Alaska? I mean, it's a real shame, honestly, uh, living up there. I mean, like I, like before we were talking about the pre-show, um, 
Alaska is really where I fell in love with hockey. I mean, I liked it growing up, but I mean, I was playing hockey and baseball. Neither of them really took over. And then living up there, I mean, that's where hockey really took over for me. And it was surprising to see how, like, the lack of support that UAA had from the community when we were up there. Because, I mean, years ago, like, a lot of the alumni that were from Anchorage that coach up there, I mean, they were phenomenal players, like guys that, like the Shazby brothers, they both played, they had professional careers. Uh, Merritt Waldrop is another guy that still coaches up there today. That was a UAA alum. And I mean, they're great guys. They were great hockey players. Nate Thompson lived up there. Um, I know Matt Carl also lived up there, but it's just like the community support over the last 10 years. I mean, at least while we were up there, just didn't really seem to be backing the team as much as I like expected it to me. I mean, you think, Alaska sports like hockey would be the number one, you know? Um, and I mean, people out there love hockey but forever. Like for whatever reason, UAA just kind of like falls in the dust. I don't know if people are busy with their own schedules or what it is. Um, then UAF, they have a phenomenal facility. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen it at all, but their rink, I mean, the lockers, like the stuff that they have to offer those players. I mean, they get more support. So that may be a part of it. Um, but they get a really good fan base coming in and they have some good players that come through there. I mean, Colton Pareko is one of them. Like he's a great player in the NHL now. Um, but yeah, the support is definitely a lot better in Fairbanks than it is uh, UAA. Interesting. And Matt Curley is a good friend of mine. So he's uh, the head coach at UAA. And uh, if there's anybody that can do it and turn it around, hopefully he gets the support because he's a great guy, great coach. And uh, he actually was just overseas with, uh, uh, the Five Nations team, uh, being the head coach of uh, Team USA, so wish uh, wish them the best of luck for sure. But uh, you know, like moving on, this is a question that I get all the time from parents and kids from non traditional areas, and that's like, once you get to your U sixteen year, um, what do you do? Because either right before U sixteen or right after U sixteen they feel like they have to, you know, either go to prep school or move to a bigger city to, to kind of get more either exposure or better coaching or whatever it may be. And that's, it's a question I get all the time. You know, you were living in Alaska, which is about as non-traditional of a market as you can get. Um, and you, you decided to move to St. Louis, I believe for your U16 year. Is that correct? Yeah, it was my second year U16. Okay, okay. So I wanted to ask you from, you know, from a kid's perspective, what that process was like. Was it a hard decision for you to make to kind of leave home at that young of an age? Um, and uh, and just kind of hear your thoughts on, on why you chose to go to St. Louis and how it was for you. So I actually had never really thought of leaving Alaska. Um, I mean – up until that Christmas before I did. Um, and that decision was made because my dad got transferred. So he's a pilot for FedEx. He got transferred to Indiana. Um, and it wasn't right away. Like they had, I think it was until that August. So it was like from Christmas until August, about eight months um, to decide what to do. And my parents sat me down literally, I think it was either Christmas day or the 26th the day after. And they told me, they said, okay, hockey unless you're going to Culver in Indiana it's really not that big of a like not that big of a show for them like I mean baseball basketball football are big there hockey's not a big sport um so basically I had the decision to either 
move to St. Louis and live with my sister and play there or kind of just give up hockey and go to school. Um, and for me, giving up really wasn't a question. Like I did not want to do that. <laughs> that was completely out of the question. Um, so I moved to St. Louis, lived with my sister, played for the selects there, played for JP Bielsen. Uh, and I loved it. I mean, just getting to play against, I mean, Alaska, we got to travel a little bit, but it was only maybe one or two trips a year. Uh, we really didn't get to play against like the big teams like Mission or CompuWare, Omaha AAA or anything like that. Um, so that first year in St. Louis was huge for me, just being able to see how the best players at my age, like how they played and like being able to be on the ice with them every chance that I could. How, how was that jump going from a quote unquote smaller town, you know, in Alaska playing with a smaller player pool to coming to St. Louis where hockey's really big now, how was making that jump from Alaska to St. Louis and, and the league you're playing in? It was, you were playing in, in St. Louis. It was honestly kind of a shock for me at first. I mean, in Alaska, you said the smaller pool, um, I was a better player up there. Like, and I felt like, okay, like I could do this. I could play U16 in a different state, play AAA. I was playing double A up there my last year. Um, and I was like, yeah, like I can do this, you know, like I'll be fine. And then getting down here, I mean, at the start of the year, I had a really, like, I struggled a lot <laughs> at that beginning of the year. Um, and I don't know if it was just like living like living away from home for the first time, or if it was just, I wasn't as good of a player as I thought I was at the time. Um, but being able to consistently play against those guys and play like just even if we got beat 12, nothing, like I'm still competing with the best players in the nation. Um, and it was just like, after a while, I think it was after a few months was when I really started to play better and feel like I was actually learning more than I was like teaching other guys, you know? Um, and that year for me really like that's really where I shot up was that season playing for the selects. Looking back, something Topher and I always talk about and a lot of the high level guests we have on this podcast talk about how important it is to go through some adversity when you're younger because you you're taught how to be resilient and Tofin is in his speech. I know always talks about resiliency and, and, and fighting those, those kind of fights when you're younger so that you learn how to overcome the obstacles you will face as you get older, which everyone will face at some time you're going to face obstacles in your life. Me knowing you as well as I have for the last two years. I mean, I don't care if there's a semi in front of you. If I tell you to run through it, you're going to find a way to run through a semi. I don't care if it's coming straight at you 60 miles an hour. I know that if I tell you to find a way to do something, you will. So how important do you think it was to go through that adversity when you're at a younger age? Yeah. I mean, I think it was, I think it was big for me. Um, so that year, I mean, like, like you said, going through at a young age before that, I mean, I'd never really been cut from a team or had any struggle. Like, you know what I mean? Like on the ice, like I felt good. I felt like I was one of the better players in the teams I was playing on. Um, and then that season, having that struggle at the beginning was like huge for me um, because it made me learn how to adapt to a new environment. Like, it really helped me learn how to adapt to a new environment and learn how to better myself even when I'm not playing as well as I'd like to. Um, and then so that year after my first year in St. Louis, um, I went to Fairbanks that second year 
and I actually got cut at Christmas. So I played half a year, was in and out of the lineup. I mean, I played a majority of the games, but wasn't really like playing. I didn't have a lot of playing time um, in those games and was just struggling again. And for me, getting cut was just another time where it was like, okay, someone's pushing you down. Like you're not playing as well as you should. But I really like took it upon myself that going back into St. Louis to better myself even more. Like I was like, I know I want to be back in that league next year. Like I know I'm good enough. I know I should be there. Um, but it's just a matter of proving to them, proving to those coaches, proving to my teammates for that next year that I'm supposed to be there. Um, and having that year in St. Louis to like really work through that struggle and have JP to help me out, like coach Bielsen, uh, and those guys around me to push me and like help me through that was huge for that next year. Huge. I didn't realize that you actually went to the North American league and then went back to St. Louis. And then you went back to the North American league the next year and put up like almost a point a game. Like what, how did you, I don't know, like how did you manage that entire situation and going back for that second year? Did you feel like the, the struggles that you had in year one were a huge, you know, indicator of you having so much success in year two? Yeah. I mean, I think, going back to St. Louis at Christmas for me was like, I mean, kind of embarrassing, honestly, like I wanted to be there. Like I really wanted to play in that league, whether it meant I was a role guy, whatever I wanted to be there the full year and to be cut and sent back. It was kind of like a wake up call. Like I had some experience. So having those 20 games that I played um, really helped me kind of realize what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be. And that was to be a top guy on a team in that league. Um, so, I mean, whether it was on the ice, like I knew I needed to be stronger. So that next summer I didn't have a trainer. I hadn't been with Jeff yet. Um, but that next summer I really focused on making sure I put on weight. And I think I put on like 10 pounds, 15 pounds, um, which now I realize may not have been the best 10 or 15 pounds. Um, but I put on that weight. I skated against guys. And like my mindset in practice was, okay, these guys are, yes, they're U18 players. We had good players on the team. So I tried to go against the best players I could in practice every rep. I mean, it was like, okay, I'm in a, I'm on a U18 team, but I want to be a top guy on a team in the North American league. So to do that, I need to be placing myself in competitive situations against other guys who are going to be, top guys or at least in that league in the years to come and that's really what helped me get to the point that I needed to going into Brookings that next season I absolutely love that Josh I love that you took the onus on yourself to better yourself in practice and I can't remember if I told the story in the podcast but I just had a meeting with my team um, our coach coach Mike Barrow who's a great guy in the St. Louis uh, youth hockey world he's the head coach of my U16 team he had an awesome panel come in and uh, talk to our guys and I told him the story well my last year in college my junior season I knew that I wanted to leave and sign after that year so I went to the best defenseman on my team and we talked to each other and we're like hey Every time we can go against each other in this practice, in practices this season, let's do it. Because you're the best D-man. I want to be the best forward. So, like, let's always battle against each other and make each other better. So it's really cool that you as a young kid did that. And I definitely know that there's a lot of, you know, I've had guys that I train that get cut or, or don't 
don't make a team and you said, you know, you're embarrassed, you're nervous, like all these things. Like, what did you do immediately after you got cut and you got sent back to St. Louis? Like, what was your thought process? Who did you reach out to? Because people are going to get fired. They're going to get cut. Bad things are going to happen. What did you do immediately after before you went down to St. Louis? I mean, we actually spent that night, um, or I did. I was flying home the next day. Uh, we were actually in, I believe it was Boston. We were playing against the Northeast Generals before Christmas break. So the next day I was flying out. So I had that whole night and the next morning with my teammates from Fairbanks. Um, and honestly, I was pissed. <laughs> not going to lie. Like, I was pissed. I mean, it was just not really, oh, okay, like the coach is out to get me. I mean, it was more with myself because I knew that I wasn't playing as good as I should have been or as good as I wanted to. Um, so the first thing that I did was I actually called, um, JP Bielston, the head coach at, uh, now car shield, I guess. And I told him what was going on. I told him I'd gotten cut. And I mean, I was just like, I want to come back. I want to be the best player I can. Like, I don't want to just go through the motions. Like if, I, if you start seeing me like settle down or get comfortable, like, just let me know. And he was like, okay, like we want to get you in the, like, we don't want you to stay here for two years. Like we want you to be here the, at the end of this year. And then next year, like we want to, when you sign a tender, cause I mean, with the NAPHL, they have those, I think it's like one or two tenders, um, that they have from the null. And so Brookings actually used one of those on me. I think it was in February, February or March. And from there I was like, okay, now I know the team. Now I know what I want to do, and this is how I'm going to get there. So the first thing I did was call JP, and from there it just kind of went off. That's awesome. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so all three of us have played a couple years of juniors, and, and uh, you know we've talked on the podcast before, but it's great to have you on because you just lived it. You know, Jeff and I are going back 15 years from when we played juniors. Hey, how are you? Dinosaurs. Yeah, oh, geez. Tell me about it. Um, actually, Jeff, your birthday's coming up here pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Three, four, the big three, four. Anyway, um, so, like, I I always think that the more years that I played junior, like the more experience that I got, like the better I became as a hockey player, just with all the learning curves. And you just kind of know it a little bit better. And, and going back and reflecting upon my own junior career, um, I feel like there was just some, it's not necessarily an aha moment, but just at some point where it was like, okay, I get it now. And then you just kind of get the confidence and, and just kind of go. Um, your, your second year, or I guess after your, your half year that were there, um, you, I mean, you flourished. So what do you think it was that allowed you to, to you know, kind of take the next step in your game in that league um, and, and really hit the gas pedal on your hockey career? That's a good question. Um, honestly, for me, I believe it was at main camp uh, for Brookings. We had it in Minnesota, and I talked with the coaches there after one of the games and it was one of the assistant coaches and they were saying that like I looked good, like they liked the way that I was playing in camp, like they're excited. And then I didn't have a great camp, but like I I felt good, but I wasn't putting up like insane numbers or anything, like maybe a few points in the four or five games we played. 
uh, lost every single game except for the all-star game. Then went into the interviews with the coaches. Every player from the all-star game met with the coaches afterward. Um, and really just them telling me the expectations of what they wanted me to be when I got to Brookings in the fall. Cause they liked the way that I was playing. Um, obviously they had a couple of things like nobody's perfect. They had some things that they really wanted me to hone in on before coming in for the season. Um, and having those expectations in my mind the whole summer turned it around for me, like really being able to focus on those things, knowing what the coaches wanted for me, having that open line of communication with them really helps me put that confidence. Like, okay, the coaches like me, this is what they want out of me. So I'm going to do the best that I can to improve in those areas. So when I come in the season, I can be a, like a top end guy for that team. And like coach Mantha, coach Contois brought me in just hearing those words from them really solidified. Like, okay, I can be a good player in this league and this is what I need to do to be that. Do you remember? And if you don't mind sharing the things that they told you that they wanted you to be and what they wanted you to work on. And then how did you go about working on those for that summer? Um, I remember a little bit. I mean, it was a few years ago, so I don't remember exact words. Um, but paraphrasing, it was transitioning. So I was playing U18 when they saw me, when they recruited me. And the things that they were saying was I was a bigger, stronger guy in midget. But how am I going to translate that to junior hockey? So, yes, okay, I'm a bigger guy, but how do I get – even stronger on my skates. So that way when there's other bigger guys, I'm still stronger than I was before or, and I'm proportionally stronger than those guys across from me. Cause it's like, yeah, you can be a strong midget player, but you may not be strong enough for juniors. Um, or you may be surprised by how strong the guys are around you that you're playing against and practicing with. Um, so for them, it was, really focus on your strength on your skates, making sure that it translates to junior hockey and skating ability. Cause I was a like taller guy and I grew fast, uh, between sophomore and junior year. And my skating was kind of not great, <laughs> pretty, pretty fast and straight stretches, but any sort of lateral movement, I was pretty brutal at at the time. Um, and so they wanted me to focus on my skating and translating my strength into juniors and those are the two things that I focused on going into the season and those are two of the things that I still focus on today. I think a really interesting thing more from a coaching perspective that you talk about is uh, you know the word that you use was expectations you know your coaches had very high expectations for you and I think that's something that's so important when it comes to coaching anybody not necessarily kids is you know having really really high standards for people having high expectations and then as a coach holding the kids and holding the players accountable to make sure that they're living up to those expectations and you even kind of said so yourself like you didn't even have that high of expectations and then when you heard that they did for you that was kind of like almost like a a confidence booster like somebody believing in you you know so um am i off base on saying that or like what what uh from your experience and going through it um how would you kind of respond to that no i would agree 100 percent um obviously having that half year in fairbanks like getting cut like going in with all the expectations in the world and not really having 
the follow through for me was a huge, like, it was a knock on my confidence for sure. And then hearing that from the coaches after all that, like after putting the work in that I put in, in that second half of the season in St. Louis, it was like reassuring me that, okay, what you're doing is working. Keep doing what you're doing. Like keep going the way that you're going. You're like, you look good. We like you. This is what's going to help you get to where you want to be. And to the point that'll help us as a team this following season. And I mean, it was just like huge confidence boost for sure. Just knowing that, like, especially with the camp, like not, not putting up crazy numbers. I wasn't like, Oh yeah, I'm for sure making the team. Like I was going in thinking like, okay, <laughs> I didn't play as great as I was hoping I would. I didn't do bad, but it was like having that reassurance from the coaches really pushed me forward into that season for sure. That's really cool. That's really cool. And it's also interesting to hear you talk about, you know, how much, uh, work you put in in the summer too that that gained your confidence because for me like my junior aha moment if that's what you want to call it was probably my third year of playing and going to the the fall preseason tournament and the summer prior was like the first summer where I really dedicated myself to the game of hockey in terms of eating right and you know working really hard in the gym and doing the right things on the ice off the ice and all that kind of stuff and i just remember just like feeling stronger feeling more confident and like with the physical confidence came the mental confidence a little bit and uh just to, you know that's where i felt like my aha moment that i flourished in my junior career was and this is hilarious because jeff just figured out how to use emojis on skype and so he's been, i've been trying so hard to not laugh and uh, <laughs> But I know that that's, you know, hitting right up his wheelhouse, obviously, with, uh, you know, with what he does for a living. But I just, yeah, like that whole working hard part, like it's, uh, um, that was mine. Like just that that physical confidence, that mental confidence. And then just being a couple of years, being my third year and kind of knowing what to expect, being a little bit more mature, I think was big too. So, Jeff, what uh, what do you have to say about that? And what was your, like, did you have like kind of like an aha, not necessarily, I hate saying aha moment because it's a process. It's not like a one time thing, but when did you kind of realize that you were, you know, you had it in you? Nasty. Yeah. Nasty. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, I mean, I feel like I probably, we probably talked about this on episode one of the podcast when we kind of went through my journey and my story, but, um, I got hurt in juniors that first year and I couldn't work out my lower body because my, I tore my groin off the bone and I went to all these doctors. They didn't know what it was, yada, yada, yada. So my trainer only had me working out my upper body, but like I went from the skinny little kid into like a pretty strong, you know, coming out later years in, in my teenage years and I that built all the confidence in the world in myself I was like man like I know what I started at and I know three months later what I feel like what I look like I mean the numbers that you can put up in the gym are tangible or you can see even if you're doing body weight you feel the difference and I gained all the confidence in the world it completely changed my game and it's funny that we're talking about this I had one of my NHL guys in in the gym yesterday he's a he's a top 10 pick And I was telling him like, you know, all summer, he's almost ready to go to camp and we're talking and I'm like, you know, like think back to day one where you were and now where you are three, four months later, like all that work you put in, you worked how many hours tirelessly, how many calories did you burn? How much weight did you move around? Like all these things, like 
how confident are you now in your body? And when you go for, for a puck in the corner, you know you're strong. You know you put in the work. You're not afraid to go into that corner with anyone because you believe in yourself and you know what you did. And that's why the gym is the most important thing in the off season, I believe, because it, it literally gives you confidence. You got to put in the work, but you know you're strong. You believe in yourself and belief and confidence is 99% of the sports. Yep, football is 90% mental and 40% physical. <laughs> exactly. Hey, oh, little giants. Exactly. Oh, actually, I do go. have to say another movie line, too, that I was thinking of earlier when you were talking about uh, Josh like going through a, like a 60-mile-an-hour truck or whatever, and he would run right through it. I was thinking of yep. Night at the Roxbury when he was like, did you grab my ass? And he was like, sir, from here, that is a physical impossibility. <laughs> Suey just called from Pismo Beast. He said there's no way he could agree <laughs> Anyways. Exactly. Moving on. Moving uh, on. All right. Josh, so, so, so you, oh, go, you, ahead, you go there. You go there, Josh, and you make the team. You know your expectations. You had a great summer. You're feeling confident. I know what happened that season because, you know, I train you and I know your story, but – you start lighting it up right away or did it take you a little while? Like how did that happen? And when did UNO approach you and that kind of thing? Um, I didn't have a great preseason. Like I had a few points, kind of like camp. I mean, had a few points, wasn't like lighting it up or anything like that. Um, but talking to coach Mantha after training camp. So before we even had our first preseason game, um, he was basically just like reinstilling those expectations of how they wanted me to be the top six forward. Like they liked my size. They wanted me to use that more. They wanted me to use my shot, like use my skating that I've been working on all summer and the year before. Um, and honestly, like just having him keep in, like he gave it to me straight. <laughs> he wasn't just in there pumping my tires. Like if I was playing bad in the game, even in preseason, he would let me know about it. He'd sit me shifts. He'd do it. Like, and for me, that's what I needed was having that accountability where it's like, yes, we have these expectations for you, but you have a responsibility to hold yourself accountable for your mistakes. Like you have to make sure that you're responsible and you can get to the expectations that we have of you. Um, and so, I mean, going through that preseason, going through, um, the showcase, the Blaine showcase that they have, we played four games. I think I had two points, two or three points and schools weren't really talking to me at that point. I mean, I wasn't really talking to anyone. It was just kind of a young guy playing, <laughs> playing hockey. Um, and then a couple months in, I really started taking off. Like I had my first goal four or five games in the regular season and then from there, I was put with my line mate that I stayed with the whole year. And me and him just fed off each other. I mean, we had a really good first half, really good first half. Um, really enjoyed playing. was just having fun with it. Like when you're playing well, you feel good. Like everything else seems to be going right too. And that kind of carried through the whole year. I mean, as a team, we did a really good job the first half, second half struggled, but it was like, even through those times, having the adversity that I had before in Fairbanks and all that, like all that going on. And I mean, when I was younger too, transitioning to St. Louis, I think those times really prepped me to like, okay, yes, I had a good start, but how do I keep it going? Like really holding myself accountable. Like, yes, I've had a good stretch so far, but how do I keep going? That's awesome, man. Well, 
One of the questions I wanted to ask you, now that we got a young buck on the episode here, it's the first young buck we've had. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I, I coached in college for six years, and uh, the recruiting process has gotten kind of crazy now, and it's getting younger and younger. And, um, you know, I coached a U16 team last year, and, and uh, it, it kind of drives people batty. Um, just trying to navigate that entire process. So I wanted to ask you what your recruiting process was like, and not even necessarily like, you know, how you got to UNO and what schools you were talking to, but more like what was your mindset as you were kind of going through the process? Was it stressful? Um, was it fun? Um, how much help did you get from, you know, your support network and stuff like that? Just if you can, just kind of enlighten us a little bit about what that process was like for you and how you dealt with it. I mean, I think if anyone tells you picking a school was easy, they're lying. I mean, honestly, uh, you're deciding what to do for the next four years. I mean, playing juniors, you can go from one place to another, and it might not even be your decision, but you're deciding where you're going to spend the next four years. So for me, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't all stress. Like, it's exciting, too, because you have these schools that are talking to you, and, like, there's big schools, there's small schools, like every, everything. I mean, you're just excited to be noticed and people to want you. Um, but it was a bit of stress just having to figure out where I wanted to go. Like, okay, yeah, there's things I like about these schools. There's things I like about these schools. But what school really piques my interest as far as school and hockey goes? Because, I mean, at some point your hockey career is going to be over no matter when that is. And you have to have something falling up with your school too. Um, and so that aspect, it was more of the school that was stressful for me than the hockey. Uh, Cause the hockey is exciting no matter where you go. If you have an opportunity to play division one hockey, like that's everyone's dream. Like that's where you want to play. Um, but having to choose which school too, I would say is the more stressful part. And it's fun talking to coaches. It's fun. Getting, but like once you get on the campus, that's when you get the real feel for, okay, this is what it would feel like for the next four years. Um, your visits aren't too long. So I took a couple and it's like your first impressions are huge. And if you're not really feeling a hundred percent and that's the school that you want to go to, like, don't rush it. I mean, that would be the only thing that I would say was there's a couple of schools that I was really excited about. And like, you just don't want to rush it. I mean, you want to really take in everything, like every aspect you can about the schools that you're going to go on a visit to and make sure that that's where you want to spend the next four years. Because I mean, I've heard guys that say once they get to school is that they're not really as excited as they thought they'd be. I mean, they're getting kind of stressed out there. Um, but UNO, like once I came back to Omaha, I was just pumped, just pumped. Um, and the next day I actually decided to commit here. That's so cool, man. Yeah. I've just got the biggest smile on my face. Remember going through that process and it's really funny because I know Tove school was a big thing for him. And hearing you talk about school be, being a big thing for you, I feel like the biggest meathead ever here because all I cared about was like, what's the hockey like? What are the fans like? <laughs> Am I going to play right away? You know, obviously that depends on me. But I was like, what's my what's kind of situation? Am I walking into? Is this a team that likes to play freshmen? Those are all the things that I thought of. But I love that you said like. As soon as I got on campus at Western Michigan, like I, I gave them, I told them my cards, like after like 10 minutes, I was like, where's the bookstore? I want to buy a hoodie. And they knew <laughs> I was going to commit right away. Chris Brooks, uh, my, my assistant coach who took me on the, uh, visit when I was there still laughs about that. But when you got like, when you got on the campus and you were there for a little bit, were you like, 
okay, I really like the feel of this place. Like, did you kind of know right away or did you sit back, taking it all in? And then, like you said, you decided the next day. I mean, honestly, I was pumped right away. Like if they would have put a paper in front of me in the first five minutes, I would have signed it. Just seeing the rink, seeing the campus being back in Omaha. I mean, I was so excited. Um, I actually had to call my parents because I was like, okay, I want to make this decision, but I don't like, I don't want to just say, okay, this is where I want to go. And then be like, you know, later, whatever. Um, but the more that I was on campus, the more that I saw, the more excited I got. And my parents grounded me a little bit in the first, first day. Um, but the more that I saw, the more excited I got. And after the visit was completely over, called my parents again on my way back to Brookings. And I was like, this is where I want to go. Like, this is the school that I want to choose. I want to go back to Omaha. I want to play there. Like their rinks sick. Their facilities are unreal. Um, the staff, like the staff at the school, the academic staff was like, they were so nice. They really seemed like they had everything together. And I told my parents, that's where I wanted to go. And I talked to the coach cabinet, called him the next day and told him that I'd like to commit. That's unreal, man. Well, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So you're there now. um, So just kind of like listening to your story. So you committed while you were in Brookings in the NA? Yes. Okay. Okay. So that brings up a huge point that I would love to talk about because I'm fascinated with this. And that is you go from Brookings to play in the USHL the next year while you already had your college commitment. And I honestly think, again, coming from a coaching standpoint, I feel like USHL head coaching jobs is one of the hardest jobs in hockey because you're coaching kids that already know where they're going the next year. And it might just be a stepping stone to greener pastures. And so, you know, you get some kids that are on those teams that eh, I don't want to say they don't care about being there, but they, you know, they, they, it's a means to an end of, of getting to somewhere else. Right. So, um, what was your mindset going into the USHL when you went there last year? Is that something that you saw in terms of maybe guys being a little bit complacent and, um, just kind of what was your experience like with that? Yeah. Um, it's a good question again. I mean, honestly, I think any step of the road you're in, in the hockey world, you'll see guys that are complacent. I mean, even guys that are playing triple a, like they may just be saying they want to play and then go to school guys in juniors. Um, they may think that they're going to school and aren't, or they don't even want to, they just want to enjoy the junior experience, whatever that is. Um, and like, I'd be lying if I said you didn't see guys, I mean, anywhere you go. Um, but for me, it was like, yes, I knew that I was going to school the next year. Like I was super pumped about it. I signed my NLI in November of last year. Um, but it was never like, okay, yeah, this, this year doesn't really matter. I'm just going in next year. I mean, even then it was more of kind of like, okay, I need to get in gear. Like I need to be playing as well as I can working out as hard as I can, um, practicing as hard as I can, just getting better at the things that I know I need to going in. Um, I'd say if anything, it's more of a focus point or it was more of a focus point for me was knowing, okay, yes, I want to win a Clark Cup. Like I want to be the best team in the USHL. I want to be a top guy in the USHL. But also, you are preparing yourself for the next step. You are getting yourself physically, mentally, like prepared for college hockey that next year. Um, 
but you don't really lose sight of lose sight of where you're at. I mean, you're still pumped to be playing in the USHL. Like it was a great league. I really enjoyed the year there. Um, and you still want to win. Like if you're a hockey player, you're going to be super competitive no matter where you're at. <laughs> you can, I'll be playing beer league when I'm 50 and I'm still going to be trying to absolutely destroy guys and rip pucks. Yeah, down you you, like, and, Jeff, you and Jeff will be freaking going toe to toe at center ice. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a reason we, we mesh well with you. Very <laughs> similar in personality. Josh, I wanted to ask you a question, and I don't want you to, you know, throw the NA under the bus or the USHL, put them on a pedestal, but I want to know, and some guys asked me who I told I was having you on the podcast, what was your reasoning for deciding to leave the NA? I mean, you went to the NA, you have a great year, you crush it, you get your scully. Why did you decide to leave the NA to go to the USHL? I mean, I honestly saw the NA as a stepping stone. Uh, I never really looked past it. I never was like, okay. Like I said, like before about the USHL, I was never like, okay, I'm in the NA, but these games don't matter because I want to play in the USHL. Like it was always every game, super competitive, like wanted to be better than the guys across from you. Um, and wanted to push your teammates and win those games when like whatever it meant. Um, but the decision was more of kind of already predestined. Like I was like, okay, I want to have a year in the NA to get ready for the USHL and the NA is a great league. And I really enjoyed that year, but it was a stepping stone for me to get to the USHL the next year. Um, cause I had already, my rights are owned by Muskegon and I actually got, cut and then went to Fairbanks and then all that. But, uh, but yeah, it was just getting ready to go to the USHL. And then I knew I wanted to play at least a year in the USHL before going on to college, wherever that was at the time. How much different, uh, were the two leagues in your opinion anyway? Um, I mean, there's definitely a difference. I think that the USHL is more like skill oriented or like skill oriented, like a lot of skill guys just like to wheel around, you know, sauce passes and everything. Like, whereas the NA is like hard nose, you might go toe to toe in the first period. I mean, nothing's even happened in the game. You might find some six, five guy that wants to beat the crap out of you. <laughs> um, but it's like, they're both good leagues. I just think that the USHL is like more skill oriented than um the na is tof why is that is that because the na is usually older guys and the ushl is maybe younger guys or, or what do you think yeah i think the ushl has trended younger um in the past little bit and uh i think it's regarded as as you know the top junior league in the u.s arguably one of the top you know in between the OHL and WHL and the Q, I mean, the USHL is right up there with major junior in terms of guys playing in the NHL and getting drafted and stuff. So it's kind of known as uh, more talented for sure. And the North American leagues, like uh, it's a, it's a great league for older players that still want to make it. And there's a ton of really good players that come out of the North American league. And, you know, thinking back to when I recruited both of those leagues, you know, if you if you put up points in the North American League, I think that translated, and not necessarily to, to points when you get to college, but you knew that they can play because you really have to compete for your points in the North American League. Like, again, because you're going against bigger, stronger, um, maybe even more motivated players uh, because, again, everybody in the USHL is committed. Whereas the North American, it was kind of like when we were growing up, like you went there to get a commitment. 
<laughs> and then you you went to where you 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 know you ended up going. But um, I think both leagues are are really good. Um, I I think that uh, yeah, North American League probably isn't as skilled or as talented, but it is more black and blue. It is more um, kind of rough, and and uh, so when you get a kid out of the North American League, I think it's uh, you're getting somebody that knows how to compete for the most part, anyway. Somebody who's hungry. Yeah, yeah. And it goes yeah. back to the adversity thing too, right? Like you're in the North American League for a reason. Um, I, th- I would imagine most of the kids that are playing in that league want to play in the USHL and, and got cut. And that's, you know, the next best league. So they have to prove themselves. And they got a little bit of that scar tissue, like Adam Nicholas calls it, where, hey, like they got to work for it. And, uh, you know, Josh, I love, you know, all the stuff that I just said. Is that, would you kind of agree? Is that on point from, from a player's perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree for sure. I mean, like you said, with a lot of the guys in the USHL having those commitments, I mean, not that they lollygag through the year, but I mean, they may not be as hungry and that's just saying that the guys in the North American league are older. A lot of them could be age out, start going into their age out year. They still don't have a commitment. So they have that hanging in front of them, like motivating them to just absolutely beat the crap out of the guys across from them and try and earn that commitment to a school because everyone in those two leagues wants to go to school and the guys in the ushl yes they already have their commitments they're still going to be competitive but the guys in the na they may not have that commitment yet and they're aging out in a couple months so they're going to do everything that they possibly can to try and get that scholarship before it's too late yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think the rules just, uh, I think the USHL has an overage rule where they can only have so many 20-year-olds, um, so that just kind of goes to show you a little bit the perspective from the leagues, whereas, you know, the North American leagues, they can have as many 20-year-olds that want a college commitment, <laughs> and uh, and they're really fighting tooth and nail for them, so, um, yeah, I, I, I loved recruiting both of those leagues for, for much different reasons, and uh, you see you see players having success at, at the college level and at the pro levels from, from both. So I think they're both great leagues for sure. Different leagues make people motivate differently. Like I was talking one, I was looking in the gym the other day at some of my pro guys and I was comparing in my head, the major junior guys versus the college guys. And it's always just interesting for me to see that in the USHL guys versus NAHL guys. And just always different to see like, the different mindsets that different leagues produce. I feel like college versus major junior college guys, they want to work. Like all they do is play 36 games plus playoffs a year. And they just, they work out all year They're, They want to work, you know, like no matter what they're coming, they're ready to work. And major junior guys are like, ah, I kind of want that skill. I kind of want it a little bit easier. You know, I want, I, I want to do the things that are like just hockey orientated. And it's, it's just really interesting to see how different leagues create different sandpaper. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Josh, we've had you on here for a little bit, but got to ask you, man, like how excited are you to start your college career? I mean, I think Jeff and I can both reflect back upon when we got to campus for the first time and things start ramping up and, and uh, you know, you get your number and you get your stall in the locker room and you get to know the guys and stuff and and how exciting that was. So um, give us a little bit of a sense about what you're feeling right now. You seem to be like a pretty big gut guy just from our, our conversation um, you know, what's, what, what's your gut like right now and, uh, and how you feeling about, uh, starting the year there in, in, uh, Omaha? I'm pumped. <laughs> I mean, I'm just <laughs> pumped. Uh, it's a new chapter. Obviously this is what 
I've wanted to do. Like, this is where I've wanted to be for the last year and a half now, ever since I committed. And uh, I'm just so excited. Like, being here for the summer, we're here for six weeks um, in July and beginning of August. And it's just like, getting to go and play in front of those fans now and getting to play with the guys. I mean, we have a great group of guys this year. So getting to play with those guys that I've been playing against and we have a huge class of 12 freshmen. Well, four years together, like it's just so exciting. Like it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, have to go back to school. So that'll be interesting for the first year. So <laughs> be a little bit different, uh, but no, but no, it's really excited. And obviously as an incoming freshman, having that many guys, there's a lot of roles open um, that anyone can step into. Oh man, that's so exciting. Well, since you've been there for, for six weeks now, um, what do you see as the biggest difference between the, the freshmen coming in and then maybe the seniors and like, how is the mindset different being around a college team versus your USHL and NAHL and junior teams? Um, I would say brotherhood, uh, just because these guys, like we all know we're going to be together for the next four years. Some guys, three, some two, some like just the seniors this year. Um, but like, it's less common for guys to just leave. Like you don't just get traded or you don't like, there's no trades in college hockey. You may have a transfer at the end of the year at Christmas, whatever. Um, but they're way less common, like way more rare. Um, so everyone here, it's like, if you have a guy that you may not be the best of friends with in the locker room, like you try to be as close to that guy as you can, like be as good of friends as you can with them, because we're going to be together. We all have a goal in mind that we want to win a national championship and nobody's slacking. Like everybody's pushing each other. We're not saying we're not going to the coach saying, yeah, we want this guy traded. We want this guy traded. Like we're all here together and we're all pushing each other to be the best we can be come October when we have our first game. That's very cool. Well, coming from a, from a training perspective, cause obviously, you know, that's what I, I do with my life and I trained you and <laughs> I obviously know your, I obviously know your background in the gym and you're a savage and you're always looking to push the envelope and get better and punching walls in the gym when we're doing wall sits. Cause you want to go for an hour and a half <laughs> straight and you, you know, like, but, but Is he everyone's your twin? not out that way. Dude, this guy's a savage. I'm, there's a reason I asked to have him on the podcast. He is an I love this kid. But anyways, don't let his head get too big. Um, what's the difference you're seeing in, like, not you, but, like, maybe some of your other incoming freshmen and, like, the, the seniors and the juniors who've been in the college game for a couple of years and they've been training? And, like, do you notice a difference between a younger guy coming in and how he prepares himself for practice, for a workout – versus these older guys are they like completely dialed and like they've been taught more like what's the difference you're seeing i would say routine um just because a lot of like there's a couple guys a couple incoming freshmen that have like set routines every day like this is what we do this is how i get ready but the seniors like they know exactly what time they're going to be doing this this like they're just getting prepared exactly the same every day making sure that their bodies, their minds are ready for whatever we have going on, whether that's just a workout, whether we're working out skating um, and just the motivation, like they know they didn't have the year that they were hoping for last year. Like the team struggled a bit compared to what they had in the past. Um, and so for their senior year, they're trying, we're all trying 
to be the best team we can be. And so they don't want to just drag along. Like they're bringing other guys with them. They're preparing themselves, but they're making sure that everyone else is dialed in too, just as dialed as they are. Um, and it's great. I mean, as an incoming freshman, it's great because you have all these new things like, okay, we're living in a dorm now instead of like our own house. We're having to do all this other stuff and to show up to the rink and have those leadership guys, like you walk in and immediately, you know exactly what you're doing because you're told what you're doing. I mean, it's phenomenal. Man, I want to go like back to college right now. God, I'm so excited right now. I'm so jealous of you, Joshua. You know, you know what though? Like that's such a great point. And, uh, like, being welcomed as a freshman, I think is like, it's just, it's so important because you need your freshman to play well. If you want to win in college hockey, you know, you can't have a class that doesn't like that. You, you can't really bide your time. You know, like if you want to win a national championship, your freshman half and you guys have 12. So you guys are really yeah. going to have to get her going. Um, and I just, I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but um, I actually had a kid who's a captain of a division three school call me over the weekend. And he was kind of asking me, they listened to the podcast and he was kind of asking me cause he's a senior and he's like, what are some of the stuff that you did? Um, team building and how do you do all this and that? And I just remember my first day on campus at Cornell and I show up to the dorm and there's, I don't know if it was five or six Cornell hockey players that were there. They unloaded all my stuff. They brought it up to my dorm room they unpacked it. Like I literally didn't carry a box or, or a bag up to my room. And then 10 to 15 minutes later, we were done. I said bye to mom and dad. And I went to go hang out with the guys. And I just remember like that feeling of feeling so welcome by the team. It's just like, it's everything. And I think that's such an important uh, aspect to like team building and team camaraderie and buy-in and culture and all that kind of stuff. And I just love to hear that, uh, you know, your guys' senior leadership group took the time and took the effort to kind of show you guys the ropes, even as you get there in the summer, because it is, you need everybody pulling on the same rope and you need everybody contributing to win at the college level um, or at any level for that matter. So really, really cool. And uh, did you kind of feel the same way? yeah for sure i mean it's just every day i didn't really have a moment per se uh like you had said where the guys helped you up to your room or whatever that i really felt welcome and it was just like everything that we did <laughs> had a welcoming feel to it i mean just having the whole team there it really helped us transition like okay we're done with juniors now it's college like now we're trying to win a national championship as a team these guys struggled last year they want to focus in and be dialed in for this season and i want to do everything that i can to help that and having the whole summer together really brought us together closer as a team like already coming in in the fall and knowing everyone in the locker room and knowing their stories and just really getting to bond with them i think that was huge for what we're trying to do especially having the 12 incoming freshmen it's like that's a huge class of newcomers and to be welcomed as well as we were is just phenomenal. Like it's so exciting. I think we're gonna have a great year this year. Everyone's pumped. Everyone's dialed in, ready to go. And, uh, we'll see what happens. Man, that's, that's so exciting, Josh. And I just want to, you know, kind of to sum it all up here. We're really happy to have you on. Um, we haven't had anyone on the podcast 
that's your age and kind of like just been through juniors and who's just entering their freshman season of college. I think you gave a lot of kids who are going to be going to juniors or are trying to get that scholarly. I think you gave them a lot of things to think about and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of information. Is, is there anything else that you want to talk about or, or something that, you know, you think would help those kids who are going into juniors or playing U18 or getting cut from a junior team. Is there any other kind of uh, last word you want to give them to help them out? I mean, the one word that I'd say is commitment, like not even just the scholarship or the school, whatever, but just committing to what you want to do. So if you want to go play college, if you want to play division one, if you want to play pro hockey, like just commit to it. Don't waste your time. Like, yes. Okay. The summers, you should have fun in the summers. You should be hanging with all your buddies and everything. But when you're in the gym, when you're on the ice in that summer, don't just take it for granted really get out there and push yourself to be where you want to be. Meet those expectations your coaches have of you. Meet those expectations you have of yourself. And if you don't, then really reflect and see what you need to do to meet those expectations in the future and stay committed to it. Love it. Wow. There's a reason I love you, kid. That was money. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the podcast, buddy. I really appreciate you taking the time. And Tolf and I and the whole hockey think tank podcasting community wishes you the best of luck in your freshman season at UNO. Yeah, I think we're gonna have some more UNO fans, some listeners after this one for sure. Or some Josh Boyer fans. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. I really appreciate it. All right, bro, so we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yep, you bet. Thanks, Josh. Sounds good. All right, see, see you guys. guys.